Engaging sermons on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. A reading from the book of Revelation. I, John, heard the Lord saying to me, To the angel of the church of Sardis, write this, The one who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars says this, I know your works, that you have the reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Be watchful and strengthen what is left, which is going to die, for I have not found your works complete in the sight of my God. Remember then how you accepted and heard. Keep it and repent. If you are not watchful, I will come like a thief, and you will never know at what hour I will come upon you. However, you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their garments. They will walk with me dressed in white because they are worthy. The victor will thus be dressed in white, and I will never erase his name from the book of life, but will acknowledge his name in the presence of my Father and of his angels. Whoever has ears ought to hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the angel of the church in Laodicea, write this, The Amen, the faithful and true witness, the source of God's creation, says this, I know your works. I know that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say, I am rich and affluent and have no need of anything, and yet do not realize that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. I advise you to buy from me gold refined by fire, so that you may be rich, and white garments to put on, so that your shameful nakedness may not be exposed, and buy ointment to smear on your eyes that you may see. Those whom I love, I reprove and chastise. Be earnest, therefore, and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, then I will enter his house and dine with him and he with me. I will give the victor the right to sit with me on my throne, as I myself first won the victory and sit with my Father on His throne. Whoever has ears ought to hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I will seat the victor beside me on my throne. I will seat the victor beside me on my throne. He who walks blamelessly and does justice, who thinks the truth in his heart and slanders not with his tongue. I will seat the victor beside me on my throne, who harms not his fellow man or takes up a reproach against his neighbor, by whom the reprobate is despised while he honors those who fear the Lord. I will seat the victor beside me on my throne, who lends not his money at usury and accepts no bribe against the innocent. He who does these things shall never be disturbed. 
I will seat the victor beside me on my throne. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. At that time, Jesus came to Jericho and intended to pass through the town. Now a man there named Zacchaeus, who was a chief tax collector and also a wealthy man, was seeking to see who Jesus was. But he could not see him because of the crowd, for he was short in stature. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree in order to see Jesus, who was about to pass that way. When he reached the place, Jesus looked up and said, Zacchaeus, come down quickly, for today I must stay at your house. And he came down quickly and received him with joy. When they saw this, they began to grumble, saying, He has gone to stay at the house of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Behold, half my possessions, Lord, I shall give to the poor. And if I have extorted anything from anyone, I shall repay it four times over. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a descendant of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek out and to save what was lost. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Friends, Anyone who can read and reads the scriptures, reads the Bible, sees permeating every page this urgent command of God to repent. The desire that God has for us to change, the divine joy that He has when we do abandon our wicked ways, turn from them, and go the way that he has taught. Look what he did with Zacchaeus and the joy of this man turning away from sin. Zacchaeus was ready to see Jesus. He took extra steps to make sure he didn't miss him. And God notices. In fact, it's God who inspires those efforts of ours to seek him, to find him, to encounter him, to welcome him. And when God allows us to welcome Him, He changes us. He doesn't come and say, hey, you're great just the way you are. He loves us just the way we are, but He doesn't leave us just the way we are. He changes us. And that's why, as we continue reading the book of Revelation in these final days of the liturgical year of the church, Again, we hear this message, change, change, repent, love more, be more holy, do more good, be more faithful. The reward of that is that He will seat us with Him on His throne. We're not just going to be gathered around the throne in heaven. We're not just going to behold the throne. We're going to be on the throne. And what does that mean? God has taken our human nature to the heights of heaven. This is one of the reasons we respect human life and stand against whatever destroys it, like abortion. God's 
plan for our human nature is to be on the throne. And in Christ Jesus, we already are, because that's our humanity there, united with God and reigning over the universe. But look what he says here. I will give the victor the right to sit with me on my throne. The thrones at that time were more like the pews in church. You know, you could fit more than one person sitting on the throne. He can fit all of us. All of us. If we are faithful to the end, Paul says, we will reign with him. We will reign with him. It's amazing the destiny God has in mind for human beings. But to get there, brothers and sisters, we must repent. And that's why we want to offer this Mass today for the forgiveness of sins. Because a lot of sins have been committed in our land. And we know that there are all kinds of sins, and we are all guilty of sin. But some people seem to think that sin should never be applied to the realm of politics. That if you call certain choices sinful, you're being a little bit too political. Well, we're going to throw that nonsense out the window here and point out that wherever there is human activity, wherever there are human choices, there is both virtue and sin. Because that's what virtue and sin are. Human choices, either choosing the good or rejecting it. Either going the way of God or going the way of evil. Human choice, human freedom. And choices are exercised in the political arena, both by those who govern and those who elect them. Our country is being destroyed by the negligence and the deliberate malice of certain people in government. There's no way we can say that there isn't moral responsibility there. We're not here to judge any particular individual and exactly how they stand with God. We can't do that. The Lord tells us He alone is the judge. But He alone is the judge of where that person stands in regard to their eternal salvation. But He has given us the ability to judge what is right and what is wrong. And if we can't make that judgment in the realm of politics, if we can't apply our knowledge of the Word of God and the commandments to the whole realm of how we govern ourselves, we're in big trouble because then we're going to end up allowing exactly what we see now, allowing people in positions of power to destroy our country, to destroy our, our values, to destroy our security to destroy our economy, to destroy our military, to destroy our children, both by physical destruction in abortion facilities, which they want to multiply and defend, some of these politicians, and destroy them in their minds and in their hearts through indoctrination in the schools. We had a lot of victories across the country in school board races this year. No surprise in that because people are awakening to the fact that there's indoctrination going on. And parents are being deprived of the, the right and the opportunity to be the guardians over what their children are being taught. Those who are in the positions 
of control over school boards, for example, and authorize morally harmful material being shoved down the throats of our children? You don't think they're sinning? You don't think that's something that cries out for us to repent of and ask God to heal? Ask God to help us change course? Make reparation for? Of course we have to do that. Killing of children by abortion. We see people in public office celebrating abortion. Pushing for more and more and more of it. Criticizing not the ones who are killing babies, the abortionists and their crowd, not criticizing them, criticizing us who are trying to save these children. People in very serious positions of government responsibility doing this. We're asking today forgiveness of the sins of those that are doing this. But to ask for forgiveness of sins means to ask that they would have the grace of repentance. We're forgiven once we repent. And some of these people are not even repenting. Today we ask that the grace of repentance be given to them. And for those who support these people, there are people who came out and worked hard and voted and made phone calls and knocked on doors and elected people who want to indoctrinate our children, destroy our country, allow criminals to come over the border and threaten our neighborhoods. The voters bear responsibility for this. How can one not bear responsibility for this when they made it happen? It's not just those in public office that are doing these things. It's those who put them there by their vote, seeing and knowing full well what they were going to do. There's serious moral responsibility here, brothers and sisters. Those whom I love, the Lord says in this reading, I reprove and chastise. Be earnest, therefore, and repent. The bishops of the United States in their document about voting, living the gospel of life, it's called, said, we get the public officials we deserve. Their virtue or lack thereof is a reflection not only on them, they go on to say, but on us. Be earnest and repent. Let us pray that those who have voted for people who authorize and expand the killing of babies, for those who indoctrinate our children, for those who hate America, may realize the wrong they have done. We, we, we don't stop educating voters once the election is over. Of course, we don't know when this election is going to be over. And we also have to pray for forgiveness for those who are messing it up, either by their incompetence or by deliberate malice. But we don't stop educating voters once the election has passed. We continue educating voters about their responsibility for what has occurred. Be earnest and repent, the Lord says. We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We do not ask for the forgiveness of sins out of some kind of self-righteousness. No, we know our own sins. We start by repenting ourselves. But we don't close our eyes to evil. 
and we don't close our lips to pointing it out, calling it out, and urging people to repent. Lord, enable us to make some reparation for the terrible sins that have been committed and to continue repenting of our sins every day so that we may proclaim your kingdom, save America, and find salvation. Amen. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.